When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding your motorcycle with your buddies on the open road. It's a potent cocktail of thrills, laughter, and pure adrenaline. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, sound effects guy. I'm real proud of you, son. Well, that was terrible. Our apologies for even trying. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 126 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Ash Costello from New Year's Day, I want to remind you about all of the things you can do at mistresscarrie.com. You can get access to every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast, and that includes all the bonus episodes. And you can check out the sit rep that's got all your rock news and entertainment info every weekday in just five minutes. All 206 episodes of my video show, Cocktails in the War Room, are up there. You can find out what tours and events are happening in the Northeast on the event calendar. And you can also get access to my photo gallery, my blog, and my bio. You can even message the studio. And now that Halloween is gone and the holiday shopping season is almost here, don't forget all of the great Mistress Carrie gear you can get in my online store. And just a heads up, there's a lot of new stuff coming for the holidays too. See, all of life's questions can be answered at mistresscarrie.com. I have been waiting to do this week's episode for a while. A few years ago, I saw New Year's Day open up for Godsmack, but I never got a chance to sit down and talk to Ash Costello. And everyone that I know that knows her said that we would get along great. And boy, were they right. Recently, New Year's Day had a day off in Savannah, Georgia, a city I absolutely love. And Ash and I had a chance to talk about our shared love of all things Halloween. We also talked about Elvira and Joan Jett and so many other inspiring, badass women in rock. We talked about how we both got married during the pandemic and our shared Italian upbringing. We talked about taking care of that notoriously raspy voice on the road and navigating social media and so much more. Ash and I decided we are most definitely cut from the same cloth, and this episode was so much fun. So allow me to introduce you to Ash Costello from New Year's Day. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturb, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah.
Hello, Ash. Hi. How are you? How are you? I'm doing so good. I'm on tour right now. I'm coming to you live from Savannah, Georgia. I love Savannah. I... I've definitely toured here before, but I've never gone into the town and today's a day off. So as soon as we're done, I get to go explore Savannah for the first time. I'm so excited. I went there in the mid nineties and I loved like the old spookiness of the town, like the little neighborhoods and all of that. It's so cool. And then while I was there, I was out with a bunch of friends and we were kind of drunk shockingly and staggering around because it's a great party time. as i as i aim to be tonight so and they were like we, off. they were like we don't know why but but they just finished filming a movie here and like tom hanks just kept sitting on this bench and we don't know why and i was what? like oh i'm gonna sit on this bench and and then when the movie comes out i'll be like oh i sat on that bench and then forrest gump came out and i was like I sat on that bench. Yeah, that's I didn't know that they filmed it here. That's where the bench was, where he was waiting for the bus, was in Savannah. I'm going to find the bench, and I'm going to tag you. Yes! In the photo I take. Yes. I'm definitely going to look for the bench. That's pretty cool. So your tour is almost, is this leg is almost up, right? You only got a couple days left? Two more shows left, and then we're done for this year. Just in time to celebrate your anniversary. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, it'll be our two-year wedding anniversary and three-year first date anniversary. So I know this because I also got married during the pandemic in 2020, but I beat you. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I got married at the end of August, same year. Yeah, 2020, what a year to get married. But we we talk about it all the time, and we're so glad we did. And we didn't wait because it it forced us to scale the wedding down. which was great. We were very, very good. We were worried that the wedding was going to be like a, a super spreader event. So we kind of did the same thing. Yeah. And I, yeah, had the, yeah. I had the added pressure that my husband who's in the military was deploying. And so, like, Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a I would have waited for Halloween, but I couldn't. So yeah, uh, we got married in the yard and had a bunch of friends we there and got pizza and beer. And it was awesome. Oh, I bet that sounds amazing. Yeah. That sounds, we we say we just threw the biggest Halloween party, like the best Halloween party ever and got married, but the best Halloween party, like, because we had all this downtime, we just went full out with the Halloween decorations. I went crazy. Every Halloween decoration I ever wished I could buy, I had the reason to buy. So I just bought it all, all of it from everywhere. It was so much fun. Well, I grew up also, like I always say, that October is the best month of the year because October 1st is my birthday and then it's bookended by Halloween. So yeah. it, when you have a birthday or any kind of anniversary or anything that happens in October, it inadvertently yeah. becomes a Halloween themed thing anyway. Which is awesome. Yeah. I think I think everything should be Halloween themed. I always have. I know it's like, man, it's so cool to like Halloween now, but I really liked Halloween like my whole life. I couldn't tell you why. Well, I probably could. My family was a big Halloween family, so we celebrated it pretty hard at my house. So that's probably why. What's the best costume you had as a kid? I was Elvira for like five years in a row, starting in like kindergarten up to like fifth grade every year. My mom would tease my hair really big and do the red lipstick and give me the mole. And I had the little black dress and I just, I so idolized Elvira when I was young. I thought she was the coolest and the funniest. Yeah. She was awesome. Yeah. I, I still went as Elvira, but, but I was in my teens cause she was sexy, you know, and she was that, that outfit. You wanted to be you know. sexy Elvira. And then I ended up losing my virginity dressed as Elvira. That is the best story <laughs> I've ever heard. That's the best two second story I've ever heard. Yes. How badass is that? Yeah. Badass for him too. Like you're welcome. Yeah. Lucky guy. (laughs) Damn. Now I'm going to have to go get the adult version of that costume and wear it for my husband. Right. I got to interview her on the show and all of a sudden she pops up on my screen and I was like, (gasps) dude, I think you and I are cut from the same cloth. I actually got hired to interview her too. And I almost bailed out because I was so nervous like mad respect to you and what you do because being on the other end of the, the interview is it's really hard and I was so nervous and she was so witty and clever I couldn't keep up yeah she, I'll never forget she said this was right um 
when was it? It was right before the, when Trump was elected, it was like right before. And I wanted to trick her and make her think I was asking her this like tough political question. So I was like, well, Elvira, with the upcoming um, presidential election, I'm sure everybody wants to know which universal horror movie monster you would vote for. And just like that, she goes, well, I'd vote for Frankenstein, even though I think he'd be a little stiff. I was like, oh, that's why you're the best. She has done so many interviews in her life. And she is, I mean, she was a groundling. So her background is comedy and quick wittedness. And so she just, P.S., she's still hot as balls. Like she does not look her age at all it's completely we could unfair. all hope to age like that seriously we should all age that good she's a genetic mutant it's not fair for the rest of us and what a nice woman too yeah very nice yeah, yeah. i think she could tell i was nervous so she kind of like led me through the interview and helped me get through it man i mind blown right because yeah. i literally can remember being four years old and watching a viral mistress of the dark and just being like wow yeah yeah, she just, cool. just so cool. And her book, have you read her book? There's Okay, that's the one I wanted to get for the flight home. You just helped me out. So I was like, there was this book I really wanted to buy for our flight home. That was it. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she has done everything. She knows everyone. Like, her life is supposed to be a book. Fascinating woman. Wow. Yeah. She should get a movie as well, I think. Oh, I'm sure it's going to happen. Right. A movie by Baz Luhrmann. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. Talk yeah. about Elvis movie. I watched, I went seven times in the theater. So such a Baz Luhrmann fan and such a huge Elvis fan. And have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, speaking of so Tom good. Hanks. Right. Wow. So good. Oscars all around. Give them yeah. all Oscars. And especially Everybody. like, especially for someone like Priscilla Presley to sign off on it. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah, like, it's, it's yeah, her yeah. story too. It's not just Elvis's story. And, yeah. and now Elvis would have been in prison. Oh, I know. It's crazy to think about um, all the artists from in those days, the stuff they were allowed to get away with as far as like, sorry, I'm going to close this curtain. Really oh no, <laughs> phone down, phone down. Phone down. Sorry, someone was on their phone and the glare was like right in my eye. Oh yeah, no worries. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, you look at a guy like Nugent or Steven Tyler, I mean, the Stones, like there were all of these rock stars and the girls were really young and Cynthia Plastercast. Gene, like, Gene Simmons. Yeah, all Hello. of them. All of them. Yeah. I look at, uh, my mom loves that show Family Jewels and there was an episode where his wife found like an old book of Polaroids of like nude girls backstage for years and years worth of nude girls. And I was just like, man, what a different climate. Oh yeah. Now if he was, you know, from a younger generation, he'd be so canceled. Yeah. Well, rock and roll has changed in a lot of ways. Obviously that kind of stuff is, is not overlooked anymore. And the other thing is, Look, I've been I've been on the radio in and in, in rock radio since the nineties. And it's incredible. And it, it it I got on the air in ninety-eight in the middle of the sausage fest new metal era. No right? kidding. And congratulations, by the way. Thank That's you. incredible. And you need to write a book as well. Someday I will. I've been told I need to do it because I got some stories too. But I don't doubt it. I feel like back then. Like, I didn't have a problem being the only woman. I was the only girl on the air. I've had very few instances in my career where me being a woman, you know, was used against me or, you know, that I wasn't safe around all the bands or any of that stuff. But yeah. I remember that there didn't need to be a lot of us around, right? That that I got yeah. my radio show and they didn't need another girl on the air because they had Dude, me. And- I used to hear that all the time. We already have a girl on the label. We already have a girl on the roster. We already have a girl on the show. So now that's what I wanted to talk to you about. It seems like this is the time that women in rock always thought would happen, but we're always worried that it wouldn't happen because it wouldn't be allowed to happen. But it feels like every time I turn around, I'm talking to a woman, rock, metal musician, singer, musician, like whatever it is. And it's unbelievable to me. And you know what I think about a lot, like really often this thought crosses my mind is I, I look at currently, of course, the women who are out right now 
Dorothy, um, Lila Czar, Maria Brink, um, Taylor Momsen, Lizzie Hill. I, they're all incredible. But what I think often is like, who is in their garage right now writing music who we don't even know about yet is just going to come out and blow our minds? Like well, what girl is just getting ready to bust out on the scene and blow us all away? Well, there's all of these upcoming musicians like Starcrawler and oh, yeah. Plush. Like, mm-hmm. oh, all, I love Plush. All of these the bands. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. It's bitching. It really is. And I, I mean, for me, who's been doing it for so long, I've always just kept staring straight forward and didn't let any of the noise bother me. And sometimes I have to kind of take my binders off and look around and go, oh, shit, there's a huge impact going on. Right now. I don't have to just keep my binders on and keep moving forward. I can kind of take my blinders down and kind of let my shoulders down and relax a little bit because there is more feminine energy in the rock scene now. It's it's kind Which, of like what we were talking about with Elvira, right? She was gorgeous, but had she not been smart and witty, she would never have lasted as long as she did. Oh, yeah. And I think with with women in rock, because there are plenty of examples. I mean, you go back to the, you know, to the Queen Aretha and beyond. There are so many Mm. examples of women that paved this road. Tina Turner, who's one of my favorites. Absolutely. A hundred percent. She was she was rock and roll. Yes. Without a doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. But but it had to be good. Like the Mm. women that paved that way had to be not even good. They had to be great. And women have to wear so many hats. I mean, the amount of hats I've piled on my head is just absolutely incredible. And that's not just me. That's every woman. You have to be your songwriter. You have to be your vocal coach. You have to be your publicist. You have to be your therapist. You have to be your number one fan club. You have to be your marketing team. You like it what all the all the things you have to be just to be able to keep your head above water is absolutely impressive especially now you know going back to the old days of rock and roll like can you imagine if there was tiktok and twitter no with the the stones or the beatles like or the runaways yeah (laughs) you imagine actually i would so subscribe to their instagram subscription uh, without a doubt yes yeah i mean talk about stories to tell Right. Oh, what a great movie, too. Yeah, seriously. What a great movie. I feel like the movie doesn't do it justice because there's so much more to the story, but still a great movie. It would have to be like a a limited, like a docu-series. Like instead of a two hour movie, you need like Mm -hmm. nine hours to tell these kind of stories. You know, side note, I was such a huge fan of The Runaways and Joan Jett growing up that I weaseled my way into being an extra on set just so I could maybe meet Joan Jett, which I did. I got to see her work and I got to see her lead with the director and I got to be on set for three days for just being an extra in the background. She's and amazing. So cool. She's the first rock star that I met in like the first month of my radio internship in oh, the awesome. summer of 91. And she, oh, you need to write a book. Write a book she walked into the radio station and I'm a freshman in college, like at this big rock station. But like she walks in white wife beater, no bra, nipples, Hell not giving yeah. a fuck. And just and I was like and all I could think is she's so short. I couldn't believe how <laughs> short she was because to she me, is really short. she was like 10 feet tall, larger than life. Yeah. Yeah, which is a good sign. Yeah, oh, I always yeah. I always take that as a huge compliment. In fact, just last night someone was like, "Don't take offense to this, but you're a lot shorter than I thought." But on stage, you look like so tall, and I get that all the time. It's such a compliment because I want to be larger than life. Yeah, who doesn't? Oh, cool! Be like the, Joan Jett. The list. You're of you're tall... inspiring me to wear a white white beater without a bra. Fuck night, it! I think just it... just out there. Like who gives a fuck? But next the... radio interview, I'm going in like that, and I'm gonna. Re- <laughs> I report back the look on their face. Yeah. And the women in the office will either A, be horrified and clutching their pearls or they'll be like or, I was where I was like. Or they'll be like respect. Yeah. Like for me, like I was an 18 year old girl and seeing this iconic woman in a man's world, just yeah. taking ownership of all of it and not giving a fuck like yeah. that had looking back. I didn't realize what a huge impact that moment had on me until I was much older. Yeah, that makes sense. And realize how ballsy it was and and what a badass she is to have been able to navigate this business for so long. Yeah. 
And, I mean, the way she came out when Ted Nugent was pissed that she was in, like, the top 100 guitarist list in Rolling Stone, and he was like, what? Like, and she, like, just went after him. And I was like, I love that. Oh, shit. I wonder, I'm sure a short Google could find that, but I want to know exactly what she said. Like, exactly. I feel like, I feel like I, I feel like me personally and where I'm at in my career right now, I need to hear it. So you gave me a good, a good thing to go Google and get some inspiration. She, uh, she definitely went back into his career and pulled out some stuff. I think she, I think she, uh, she brought up the draft dodging stuff and whatever. Like she went right for the jugular and I was like, you know, neither, neither here nor there right now because he's not um, a female, but I do have respect for Ronnie Radke, who is one of the, one of the few musicians I see who who really stands up for himself. It's a really hard thing to do. It is because every, everything you say can be taken the wrong way and twisted. And I just, I, I have so much respect for Joan Jett and other artists that um, feel like they can stand up and speak their mind and put people in their place. I love that. I think it's a little bit easier. Like when you're, I mean, no disrespect to the, you know, the black hearts, but like, it's, ju- it's you, right? Yeah. I think if someone in your band gets outspoken they also have the other members' careers in their hand, too. And so yeah. it, it makes it really hard because it's like, you know, like a guy like Ronnie Radke, who I had on the show, like, he's not short on opinion. Yeah. But all the other guys in Falling in Reverse have got to be on that train, hooked wagon to him, yeah. and ready to ride the ride because, you know, if you're going to be opinionated and get behind a microphone and say what you feel. Yeah, you have to think about your band members, your team, your record label, uh, everybody that you represent yeah. and make sure that you're you're handling it correctly, which is a tough tough to navigate. Yeah. Cuz me, I'm Italian. So when someone says something to me, I want to pop off. That's I want to pop off. That's why and you and I honor. are friends. Me too. Yeah. That's why we're cut from the same cloth because you immediately it's hard not to. want to just drop the gloves and start throwing punches. Oh, like, go for the jugular. The temp, the, like your temperature just goes, like I don't start fights. That's what I tell everybody. I don't start fights, but I will finish but a motherfucker. Yes. Yes, I say that too, but I'm not, I have to be picky about which ones I finish because I have had a few talkings too about like, you know, you don't need to respond. Like, I know I don't, you're don't right. Don't read the comments. Because think about it. Would you see Lizzie responding like very, very rarely? And, you know, you need to you need to be able to rise above it. But as a, as a just a fellow human being, you have every right to stand up for yourself, you know, just like anyone else does. Think about but it you, this way. There's like, more to think about. Would rumors have come out if Stevie Nicks and Christine McVie read the comments? Right. Good. You know Good. what I mean? Like, really good point. Like, like what would have happened if the Wilson sisters were reading fucking tweets that they got tagged in? You're right. That, yeah, you're so right. And and even back then, it was hard with the press and whatever that 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 those women again, like we were talking about, that paved the way. Like they had their share of shit. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But the noise now that everybody is exposed to, never mind just women in rock and roll, but just people in general. It's like. And it's yeah. hard to not read the comments. It makes you wonder, though, who would have read the comments if, if there had been social media back in the day? Like, would Stevie Nicks have been on there replying That's or tweeting, I mean. uh, like, like Moon's Fool tonight, feeling crazy tweet? Like, what would she have been saying? And it's very interesting to think back in the day of who who would have who would have been the Ronnie Radke yeah. back in the day, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Well, well, that's interesting. Back when you were young. So so I have a theory about music. Anybody that listens to the show has heard me say it a lot. There's two genres of your musical life. There's the music, the soundtrack of your childhood that that you get exposed to parents, older siblings, cool uncle, whoever. Yeah. And then there's something you discover. There's always the cool uncle. The cool. I I had the cool uncle. See? Yeah. And then you hear something and you take that independent step and go, wait, this is mine. I like this. So yeah. what was the soundtrack to your childhood growing up? What an awesome question. Thank you. Oh my gosh. This is awesome. Okay. So my uncles um, exposed me to Michael Jackson at a very young age. And I, I, very vi- vividly remember a pivotal moment in my life. We would watch Moonwalker VHS every night. 
because I loved it. We watch it every night. And there was a moment where they're showing live footage of Michael performing and he's on the stage and people are going crazy in the crowd. I could see how his music and him singing was affecting them. And he had a lot of love. You could see that he embraced his fans, but reached out to his fans. I could, I could see it even as a child, the relationship he had with his fans. And I kid you not in that moment, even at like four or five years old, I was like, I want to be that. I want to have that relationship with people from stage who like what I'm doing. And I really want to embrace that. I like knew it right away. So Michael Jackson for me was, was a really big influence, but my, my, uncles at two they were um babies having every day after school for years because my mom was a single mom and worked at, worked until 10 p.m and they were trad goths in the 80s we're talking robert smith big hair <laughs> death death hawks like shawls i i remember they would be putting on black lipstick which was only fantasy makers in the 80s and it was shit you couldn't it was the worst black lipstick ever and uh they were putting it on i remember being really little going, where are you going like we're going to Denny's to scare all the normal people. And I just thought that was so cool. I was like, I can't wait till I'm old enough to do that too. And I never forget those moments. And I always appreciate that here I am doing it every day and getting paid to do it. It's yeah. crazy. And um, but they listened to a lot of um, 80s goth. So I was exposed to Blondie and the Eurythmics, Typo Negative, um, The Misfits, um, the cure a lot of that when I was younger and that was my favorite music growing up. But as I got older, when I started discovering my own music, I, the first band that really, really, really made me go, wow, this is for me was the used. Wow. Okay. I, yeah. They used the used self-titled, um, AFI, um, no doubt. And, uh, my chemical romance were the ones that I discovered on my own. I was like, this is my forever music for sure. Without a doubt. And those are pretty much still my go-tos. It's amazing. Like, I love all that science research about, like, the emotional health of, like, metal fans is, like, way better than the emotional and mental health of I believe fans it. of other music. Yeah, I believe that completely. I, I, I think it's a getting aggression out thing. Yeah. Right? It's got to be. It's got to be why. Well, it forces. It, I mean, even Metallica, like, talks about feelings. They just do it in a way you know, that, that you like to funnel the rage and the frustration exactly. and all of that. But then you go back to like bands like the cure where it was like funneling all of the, the other emotions. Dude, my, now that you mentioned it, my chemical romance and the used and, and no doubt was definitely that for me. Cause I discovered no doubt in my like emo sad girl teen phase and return of Saturn came out, which is a very melancholy, sad album for no doubt. And it just completely spoke spoke to me at that age same thing with the used um uh pretty much every song on their self-titled debut cd was everything for me and then at a very young age very very young age my dad got me my first cd two cds actually from tower records when i was like 10 and it was alanis morissette jagged little pill and muse showbiz wow and those yeah right random because i i was a kid i picked them off of the the cover that's what yeah I remember, back when you got music based on the artwork yeah i remember seeing the godsmack album too when i was younger with the girl's face on it and i yep. thought she would be the singer and i got the album because i really like was drawn to this girl on the cover and then it's i heard the guy's not voice I, yeah no and i heard the guy's <laughs> voice and like nine-year-old me was like trash hate it because I wanted it to be the girl yeah. so bad because I thought she looked so cool. I think that's the first time I saw you guys live. You opened up for Godsmack. And I think that's where I yeah. saw you the first time because they were hometown heroes here. They were really nice to us, by the way. On the last show, he bought me this huge bouquet of roses that were half black and half red. Oh, really? How cool is that? See, it's the Italian With this lovely thing. note. Oh, that's I know, nice. the Italians stick together. Right? Yeah, bonded on that right away, of course, because I'll tell anybody I'm Italian who's willing to listen, <laughs> ever, at all. My husband always says, you're American. I'm like, I know, but you don't get the genes are strong. No, nay, nay. <laughs> if you were raised in an Italian household, I don't care. That's your heritage. Also, I did my 23andMe. Have you ever done that? I haven't done it yet, but I... I... Oh, totally do it. It just... I like held up. I was like, see, and it was like 49.9% yeah. Sicilian. I was like, that's right. Half. Baby. My sister and I did the, the genealogy tracing stuff during COVID. I've been wanting to do that. And like 
the debt. My dad's half is the immigrant half. Yeah, mine too. My mom's half. We traced family back and we're still we, we're trying to find when they got How here cool. we have a female relative that died in plymouth in 1630 so we holy cow wow so we don't know You're when they got here to do it. we were like, inspiring me to do it like we had a relative that fought with george washington in boston and we're like that's insane yeah so we're like it's really really fascinating and something that like it is kind of cool to see i found a relative that's six generations back from me. So she's what my great, 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 great grandmother who yeah. has my name and looked exactly like me when I was a kid. Spooky. And when I got named, like my mom didn't know there was another Carrie in the family five generations yeah. before. She just named me that because of the Hollow uh, song. I don't believe in um, coincidences. You know, I think your ancestors are always looking over you and guiding you. And uh, there's definitely, there was, that's definitely no coincidence. Your ancestors, you probably, I'm sure if you had your psychic read by a medium, I'm sure they would tell you that you have ancestral protection around you or something. Something, like yeah, for sure. Wild, right? So do you have musicians in the family? Where'd the musical stuff come from? Um, I came from a musical theater family. Oh, okay. So no, no musicians at all. There were no songwriters, no um, instrument playing whatsoever. But um, my two uncles were musical theater kids. And so I grew up watching them do plays and stuff. And that's where the singing picked up for me. And my grandma put me in singing at like four years old, probably. Like I was on stage at four or five performing. That's why the stage feels so comfortable for me. It's very comfortable. It always has been. I get nervous for like big crowds, but the stage, totally normal. Always has been. In fact, like, I just remembered this memory came to me the other day. My uncles were performing in um, the damn Yankees. It was like a high school play. But to me as a little kid at this, this high school auditorium felt like it was, you know, could have been Madison Square Garden to me. And I wanted to be in the play so bad. I was just a little kid. And uh, they go, well, why don't you go up to the director and just ask him to be in the play? And that was an important moment for me because I did. I went up and I sat on the director's lap and I said, can I be in the play? And they gave me a baseball uniform and put me in the back as an extra. But that really, because I was just thinking, I, I go out, I've never been afraid to just ask for things. Just go right to the magazine and ask to be that featured. That was big or, back then too, for a girl to be told to empower herself. That's huge. Yeah. I think it was my uncle who told me to do that. And it really set the tone. And I, it just came to me the other day. But yeah, be, being around musical theater was a big part of ending up being a performer. I knew always knew I wanted to sing. I just didn't know what that meant. And I didn't realize it was, it meant I wanted to be a musician and be in a band until I was probably 12, 13 years old when I started discovering music on my own. Did you start writing then, songs back then too? I did. They're horrible. <laughs> yeah. So what's bad. What's the first song it, it you got, ever wrote? I can't remember now. My, my mom still has my journals. We still go back and lock the old band names and like album covers I drew way back when there was like one band name that we still sticks on my mind. We still laugh about was called monster grass. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought it was really cool when I was like 10 and uh, my mom found the first CD I ever recorded in like my friend's garage and got it and gave it to my husband for Christmas last year. And we all listened to it. And I was legitimately so embarrassed deep down to my bones. I had to shut it off because there was a song I wrote about how I didn't want to go to school and I just wanted to play video games all day. And it's just like the worst song you've ever heard. I was like 13. I found my radio. I don't know. That was my biggest problem when I was 13 years old. I found my radio demo when I was an intern and trying to get on the air. And I go back and listen to it now. And it's like, I can't get through it. It's so cringe. P.S. Like my voice, because it gets used so much doing what I do now, is like four octaves lower than it used to be. I sound like a fucking totally. chipmunk back then with these with the demo and I'm like, oh my God, yeah. who is that? Wild, right? Yeah. It's the cringe fest is real. Yeah. It's real. It's hard. I feel like it's just hard to listen to my speaking voice in general for me. Well, it's because you have a deep voice like I do and it, it's mm. not, it's not that smooth woman's like, girly. Yeah. You're not singing mm -hmm. the hills are alive with the sound of music. Like our voice doesn't do that. I talked to Lilith Czar mm -hmm. about this exact thing. It's like, she, she as well. 
Yeah. As well. Same type of voice. Yeah. It's like it only does a couple things. I can't sing. At least you can. The high notes are harder for me, for sure. They're the, they're the notes I get nervous about. There's, you know, they're mixed in here and there. And I'm always like, all right, I warm up. Got to get ready for that one high note in the show tonight. <laughs> that one that's like nagging me. How do you take care of your voice on the road? Like I'm, I'm kind of sick right now, not COVID or anything, but like I have a head cold and you can hear it Same. in my voice. So how do you, how do you deal with that when you're out on the road? A lot of rest first, first yeah. and foremost, I sleep late because I go to bed late because of yeah. playing shows. So I sleep till like one, 2 PM, which I hate. Cause then when I'm at home, I'm up seven o'clock. Like naturally I love, I'm a morning person. I oh, love it. Really? Yeah. So I actually hate having to sleep in for my voice. And then I take really, really, really long hot showers in the morning. And that kind of wakes, wakes up and smooths out the gravel Yep. because this I'm in my bunk right now and there's fans right here that blow on me all night. And I wake up with like the driest, crackliest, yep. horrible voice in the morning. And then, cause going to radio stations and playing those like 7am acoustic performances are the bane of my existence. I Cause I always sound terrible. I was always I on the, terrible. I'm on the air in the afternoon. So the bands always would rather come and see me than. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Way better. And then I, um, I just have a lot of what my husband calls booze and potions, a lot of like sprays and different ointments and oils and lozenges and a whole little kit that travels with me. Lilith told me she was going to make me one because she's like, you got to protect that voice too. Yeah, it's very helpful. Although I feel like you have the most fantastic radio voice. Don't change the thing. But to take care of it, yeah, throat coat. There's certain, um, there's vocal zone lozenges I use that taste like garbage, but they really work. And some sprays that aren't the best tasting, but they help out a lot. Kind of like right after this, I'll go do this one spray that's a mixture of honey and ginger and it sprays directly into the back of your throat and it helps so much. Like a lot of singers have talked to me about the damage that talking does to it. And, you know, obviously I'm in the business of talking for a living and when I, and I want to talk to artists and I always wondered why people like Miles Kennedy, like don't do a lot of interviews. And then during the pandemic, I had a chance to yeah. really sit down with him and talk about stuff. And he talked to me about it that he's like, I can't be out on the road hitting those notes every night and then spending yeah. all day talking. He's like, I, I won't last. Even the best, most trained singers, you know, have to rest their voice because it's a it's a human it's a human body. It's not like we can change change the strings on our vocal cords or retune it or get a new vocal cord replacement. Like it really has to be very carefully taken care of. And no yeah. one's immune to vocal wear and tear. Nobody. No yeah. one's immune to it. Especially and if you're so on I the road to, for a long time. Mm, I have to tell the boys often, like today's a no talking day. Don't talk to me. Sorry. Yeah. And it sucks. It sucks, but you got to you know, do it. Sometimes, sometimes it's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> a little I, bit. I think my husband it's would like excuse. me to have more no talking days. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, this sure, is my I'm job. sure they like it too. I do this for a living. This is what I do. I talk all day. Yeah. Um, so I know. you've been out on the road a lot this year. Finally, after everybody had to take a break from touring. So it was nice to get back out on the road. Um, yeah. What were you doing besides getting married and being blissfully in love um, besides music that you kind of kept yourself occupied with because you were stuck at home for so long? Well, um, I knew I was going to be moving. So I spent a lot of time cleaning out um, things I didn't need anymore, getting rid of old furniture. And I'm a clothes hoarder. Oh. Like I have clothes from high school. I still have all my prom dresses and, and things like that. And so I was kind of, kind of uh, cycling it out, um, getting rid of all that stuff and just kind of preparing for our move. Um, and spending time with my mom, you know, my mom's older and, uh, I, I missed a lot of birthdays and funerals and weddings and Thanksgivings cause I've toured for so long, for so many years. So I just spent time at home with my family. It was, it was a hard COVID for me. My dad passed like the first couple months of COVID and it really scared me and my husband. So we were like, let's just not push ourselves to get back to work and just spend time with family as much as we can and enjoy it. We're going to have a, a wave of amazing new music. Like you guys have a new record coming out next year. Like yeah. It's going to be an amazing couple years because you guys were all locked down for so long and now all these amazing albums are going to come out because of it. Yeah. And I have to go finish ours, uh, put the finishing touches on it right after this 
four ends. So I'm going to get back into the studio with Scott Stevens and Mitch Marlowe, who are just the most incredible producers. They've had number one songs with Lil Azar and Dorothy and Maria Brink and Lizzie Hale. And I'm so honored and so blessed and so lucky. And I just can't, I just can't wait to be back in like the presence of them. And then you're going to, then the, the holidays come and whatever. Do you have like, especially cause you're Italian, like, do you have the Italian um, traditions? Like, what are you doing for the holidays? Oh, I uh, don't get to do the Italian traditions anymore because everyone's passed away and my dad has passed away and that was all my dad's side. And I don't, I sadly don't have any connection now, but growing up, we did the huge Italian um, holidays. You know, we had all the fish, the squid, all the different types of pasta. We had the deep fried anchovy balls. I mean, all the like traditional Sicilian stuff and all the like the wedding cookies and the jelly cookies and the almond cookies. And it was like food, food, food. Yep. And, um, you know, playing poker all night long and people falling asleep every, everywhere, you know, <laughs> five, five people to a bed, people on the floor, people on the couch. And, um, now, now it's time for me to find my own way of it yeah. and bring it into mine and my husband's traditions now. And so I'm actually, now that you mentioned it, I'm thinking about it. I'm actually really excited to see like what I'm going to take away from it and show my new family and show, you know, eventually our kids and, well, I make and what, those, I'll, what I'll carry on. I make those frosted anise cookies with the sprinkles. Yeah, we call, we call those the, uh, the wedding cookies. Right. They're the ones that are like really kind of dry for some people, but they've got powdered sugar. Or are you talking about different ones? The ones that have the icing with the rainbow colored little ball sprinkles that are really like anise flavor. Yes. Yes. I know exactly. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, I make those from scratch only around the holidays. Oh, man. Hell yeah. And, and I will send you some because you need a little of that old Italian tradition you. in your life. Even if you're going to start new ones, you got to have a little bit of the throwback in there. Yes, and I make a really mean cherry almond cookie. Remember those? Yeah. They have like the 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 maraschino cherry in the middle. It was like an mm, almond macaroon kind of thing. Mwah. Yes, <sighs> exactly. So good. Well, still I, perfecting the wedding cookie. Little dry. Yeah, the, those are tough, and pizzelles are tough because they always fucking fall apart when you try to pull them out of the yeah. waffle machine. They like all right. It, Getting them perfect with all the nice so- design. Nope. Yeah, they're Get they're hard. not gonna happen. You just gotta eat. I haven't the, like, even the tried crumbs. to tackle that. <laughs> or like making cannolis, like the shells. You get one good I've one. I've never tried to make a cannoli. I've really? never tried. No, I haven't. I haven't ever made a cannoli. I will eat the cannolis. I grew up in my grandfather's bakery, so I'm fifth generation Sicilian baker. So that's like oh yeah. My gosh, that's yeah. awesome. Natalie would be very proud of my cookies now. That's my grandfather. Yeah. Oh, that's really awesome. They're yummy, but they're, it's all a pain in the ass. So I only do it around Christmas. You know, uh, one of my bucket list things is something I kind of wish I took up gardening over the pandemic, but one of the things I want to do, I've never made my own pasta. Really? Wanna, never made my own pasta. I'd really hard. like to learn. I know how to make my own pizza dough. Yeah. But not my own pasta. Pasta's not hard. And if you got a garden, throw some tomato plants out there. You can make sauce. I jar my own tomato oh, sauce and give dude. it as gifts. Yeah. Where do you live? Where do you live? I'm coming over <laughs> for Thanksgiving. You just got to come to Boston. There's tons of Italians out here. Oh, my gosh. You know, that's where my husband, he goes, if we could afford it, that's where we would move. It's Boston. Really? Oh, but yeah. You yeah, would love it at Boston. this time of year. Salem right now is psychotic. So you're, you're telling me. I know. I someday I'm going to get to Salem and Boston in the fall. Oh, well, you can stay someday. You can stay at my house, and I will give you the Mistress Carrie tour of Salem because you're going to regret offering no, that. Because not at all, not at all. It it wouldn't be the first time I had somebody banging on my door, a tour bus out front, going, "Hey, remember that time? Bring us to the good cannolis." Yeah. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. Yeah. All right, I got to ask you this question before I let you go because you're in Savannah and I know you want to go roaming around with all the spookiness. We're going to go get spooky, yes. All right, so I ask all the songwriters on the show, you have to give me an example of something you consider to be perfect songwriting. A song from a craft perspective, not just because it's catchy, but I mean, if it's crafted that way and that's why, that's fine. But any genre, any artist, but as someone that writes songs... Give me an example of a song that you just look at it for all of its parts and look at it and go, oh my God, that's freaking brilliant. I wish I wrote that song. Man, 
I say that so often. I there's so many times I say, I wish I had a time machine, I'd go back and steal this song. Um and now that you put me on the spot, I can't think of one of them except <laughs> for the first except for the first one that comes to my mind, I think Don't Speak by No Doubt is Ooh. one of one of the most beautifully constructed, structured songs. It's beautiful. If you really listen to it, it is beautiful. And I I wouldn't change a thing. We we did change a thing, actually. We covered it. We cut co- we have a cover of it that's out. Um, and we we tried to make it a little bit heavier, but honestly, I prefer the I don't prefer our version. I do prefer the original. It's really well. hard to do a song better than the original. Yeah. Like Johnny Cash is right there with Nine Inch Nails with Hurt. Like that's the best example to me of a song where someone covered it. And even Trent Reznor says like Johnny Cash's version is so good. But like, you can have an icon, like Aerosmith made Come Together famous all over again, but it's not better than the Beatles version. Like, but it's really good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, man, I think that's a perfect song. I think that's a perfect song. Which the one? progression right before the chorus. Which one? Come don't together. Speak. Oh, don't, don't speak. speak. Yeah, I do. I'm putting officially. All right, I choose don't speak. Done. Well, I uh, I think you are going to absolutely love Savannah. I had an absolute blast. I had this big gay black guy named Earl who got me drunk on Zima and staggered around Savannah with me. That's who showed me. I around. love every detail of that two second story. <laughs> And it just kept it kept getting better and better as you and that was what everybody called him big gay Earl like that was his that's why I can't forget his name what a good name right and tell me he wore overalls uh, he I don't remember him wearing overalls but we Damn, did it was get, almost perfect we did get trapped in a torrential downpour in Savannah because that happens where it's like totally nice and then it's like Amazon rainforest pouring really. Yeah, that yeah, it's hopefully place, that doesn't happen tonight. It's anywhere like and like raining so hard that like you couldn't see in front of your face, but it's so beautiful. And Midnight in the Garden of oh, Good and Evil. Wait. You've seen I that movie, wait. right? No. The Kevin Spacey movie Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil? I have not seen that. Okay. One. Watch that movie because it it? it's all about how weird Savannah is. From a, oh. Yeah, from a spooky kind of mystical, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you're going to walk like around Savannah, go and watch that movie. You'll love it. Okay, I'll put it on my list. I have my, I don't know if you can see it right here. I have my, this is my makeshift TV where I watch my movies at night. <laughs> I, I, I duct tape my iPad to the wall. Well, I mean, you got to do what I'll you got to do, you know, put it in the okay. queue. Yeah, I will definitely add it to the queue. You said spooky, I'm in. Yeah, exactly. All right, so yeah. the, the new song is out right now, obviously, Hurts Like Hell. New record that you're going to finish, and it's coming out next year. When are you going back out on the road? What are the plans for next year? Oh, my gosh. I keep finding out more and more and more of what we're booked to do next year. And let me just tell you, I'm so excited. Oh, good. I wish I could tell, I wish I could tell you any of it. I probably shouldn't. I'm sure I'll get in trouble, but it's stacked, and I am just thrilled and honored and blessed and just excited. So it's going to be a busy year for New Year's yeah. Day next year. Awesome. Yes, it is. Yeah. All right. Well, it was so which, nice to finally sit down with you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, uh, I, like I said, I had seen you guys live, but you and I never got a chance to chat. So I'm glad we got a chance. I'm so glad we did. And I'll give you the Mistress co- t- the Mistress Carrie tour when you come to Boston next, which I'm hoping yes, is going to be part of all of those and now plans I have next a, year. Now I have a book I got to buy. I've got food I have to eat. And movie. now I've got a movie I need to watch. Yep. So I think we are for sure cut from the same cloth. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. All right. We'll see you so, soon. So lovely to talk to you. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy Savannah. Thank you. Have a good night. There she is, the one and only Ash Costello from New Year's Day. I wonder if she found the Forrest Gump bench in Savannah. Now I just got to get her address so I can send her those cookies at Christmas. If you check out the show notes of this episode, you're going to find a lot of links. You'll find all of the New Year's Day links. You'll find all of Ash Costello's links. You'll find all of my links as well and the link to this episode's corresponding playlist. This playlist rocks. I make a playlist for every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast, and it always features the music from my guest and all the music that we referenced in the interview. And this playlist has a ton of music in it. 
especially all of the badass bitches. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep. The Situation Report runs down all of your rock news and entertainment headlines in five minutes. Join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my Facebook page for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. Keep your eyes on the online store at MistressCarrie.com because there's new stuff coming for the holidays. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike says she is struggling with her place in the motorcycle community. Well, she says she hasn't peaked yet, but she's having a little epiphany. Okay. Oh, that maybe life itself is the peak. Hmm, interesting. In my experience, I found that... So I just translate. Not allowed to have opinions. Got it. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.